0: The cannabishes welcome to high tea high tea is a high vibe cannabis entertainment company for women who also love weed hey, buyin this is a thoughtful and blunt exploration of pot and its magic the role it has in the lives and processes hey, of cool and creative people everywhere and an evolving cannabis culture we're seeing happen before our very eyes we're elevating perceptions with every episode. Listen up as we go in. I'm already tall. Hey, Lion, you keep your gifts. I've got many of them. Is it too record. close? No, you're perfect. Okay. Yeah, I, I, we're actually both perfect. I'm going to turn myself down a bit. Okay, amazing. All right. <laughs> yes, off we go. And a five, four, three, two, one. Go welcome ladies and gentlemen i am so excited so excited to be here with my guest today i'm excited to be sitting across this afternoon from visionary founder and ceo of 48 north allison gordon welcome to high tea (laughs) i was like way too too (laughs) much to take in but thank you I, i just had to i had to introduce you you're amazing thank you You're really a trailblazer. Oh, my God. No pun intended. I can't take it in, but thank you. I mean, I'm so intrigued by, like I said, when I walked in the door today, I knew of you and your story of your former life at Rethink. Yeah. I'm so intrigued to learn about how you went from here
1: to there. Can you tell me (laughs) a bit about your story? Okay. So I'll try and make it short, but I never don't make it short. (laughs) Everyone who knows me, I don't make it short. But yeah, I mean... It's a bit of a strange journey. I started out as an academic, so I was doing a PhD. I thought I was going to be an academic, and I wound up going into advertising, loved being part of a creative team as opposed to really being on my own in a library, and so I was a strategic planner for a little while, and that's where I met the woman who would become my partner, MJ Dakota, at Rethink Breast Cancer She approached me after we had done an award-winning campaign for her to start an organization with her, and I said, sure, and that became Rethink Breast Cancer. So over those years at Rethink, I obviously developed a lot of business experience, even though it's a not for profit, it you run it as a business. And we had grown it from the two of us to about 14 people, a national organization, we were raising approximately $2 million a year, working with young women with breast cancer. So a lot, a lot of experience with patients, physicians, government relations, fundraising, Mm. and just the overall running of a business. But cannabis is something, well, I never used to call it cannabis, so pot right. weed was always near and dear to my heart because I'd been using it for a very long time recreationally. And I never thought it could be a career. I don't think any of us thought it could right. be a career way back when. But what wound up happening is that a close family member was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer, and she had never used weed ever. She was in her 70s, and her doctor recommended that she try medical cannabis. This is back in 2008 for her symptoms for sleep, anxiety, pain. Amazing. And I was like, what? We have a medical cannabis program? In 2008, I had no idea. So I started having all these dreams of what could be done in what I thought was this industry, you know, where I'm going to open stores like David's Teas. I'm going to, you know, you could rebrand it. You could make it this and that. I was very, very naive, but I started really looking at the industry back then, seeing what was happening in the U S seeing what was happening in Canada. And then ultimately in 2013, because I loved rethink so much and I still do. And I loved MJ. I just, I was like, if I'm going to make a change, it has to be absolutely perfect. So in 2013, I started talking to people who had applications in under the new program that we're sort of living under now. Now we have another new program. But um, when they were transitioning to the MMPR, which became the ACMPR, which became the Cannabis Act, a lot of people were obviously putting in applications. And right away I was getting job offers because I had this physician relations, government relations, patient experience. But I thought, okay, I have to pick the perfect company that's going to be around forever. So I chose a company um, and I took the job as chief marketing officer. And this company had their application in, they had built out their facility, and they even had an inspection date. So everything seemed great. Now, what wound up happening was the government came and said, you know what, we need to just postpone your inspection date and we'll be back. So I thought, okay, well, like, what? They'll be back in a month, a week. I mean, max two months. Well, they didn't come back for a year and a half. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. Wow. So that's really what was happening back then, because back then in Canada, you had uh, lawyers on behalf of the MMAR growers had filed an injunction mm-hmm. saying it was unconstitutional not to allow people to grow their own medicine. And while that was taking place in the courts, it was still Harper at that time in power. Yeah. He they kind of said. I guess they didn't come out and say it, but they delayed a lot of licensing during that time. So that really started my journey because as much as I wanted to pick a company in Canada that was going to be in business forever, what wound up happening was so much better for me when this was delayed. I wound up working closely with one of the partners of this company to raise additional capital. So that was really my first time Raising money through that, that process, yeah, that okay. wasn't for something that tugs on your heartstrings, like you know, young women with breast cancer. It was seeing what goes into actually raising money in the for profit world. And then we wound up purchasing one of four legally permitted dispensaries in Los Angeles. Amazing. So during 2014 and 15, and part of 16, I was really running back and forth to LA. Uh, running the dispensary, seeing what was happening there. And that really informed my vision because down there, while we legalized before them, they, from a product perspective, were way ahead of the game. Yeah, they've bloomed. Branding, everything. Exactly. And as a disruptive brand strategist, you must
0: have been just in la-la land, literally.
1: Well, the interesting thing was when we first purchased the dispensary, it wasn't like that. So I was like, okay, my vision, like nobody's doing it because everything in the store was still being made by the bud tenders. So homemade lemon squares or peanut butter, mm. that kind of thing. So I thought, okay, still not, you know, branded and um, elevated. Yeah. yeah. And then really quickly, I come back, as I said, every four to five weeks, you had Kiva's Venice Beach Cookie Company, everything was in the store. And I started to panic like it's all happening yeah. here. But when I would be back in Canada, which was most often, and I was saying everyone, you know, this is a consumer packaged good industry. People were like, what are you talking about? Because they were building out massive cultivations focused on patient acquisition. The street was obviously like, how many patients do you have? And I was thinking like, how could that possibly be a relevant number? Patient could sign up, order once, never order again, Mm -hmm. sign up with multiple LPs. And that's what really was going on. But for me, I was seeing in California all of these products and brands start to come into play. And more importantly, or as importantly, the sales going from 30% when we first purchased the dispensary for the edibles and the vapes and all the extracted products really quickly went up to 50%. And now I think in California, they're at 70%. So also seeing that trend that there was a move away from flour, which you know, as a user, I'm sad about. I know. (laughs) I I almost have to believe, I almost wish it isn't true. And I
0: almost have to say it isn't true that there will remain the purists.
1: I hope so. But the stats truly are what they are on the legal market. I mean, you could question and say, are flower smokers still buying on the black market and maybe not interested in the legal market? I, I really don't know. It's just, that's, but you're right. On? It's a consumer packaged goods yes.
0: industry. And I often say that that will be the biggest consumer of the cannabis industry. But in reality, it's just part of the CPG industry. Yeah, which yeah. is
1: like a weird thing because now everybody is saying, and by no means was it rocket science of me to say that. It's just in Canada, there was such a focus on cultivation and medical mm-hmm. that I don't think people wanted to see it as that. But you know, what is a consumer packaged good company? It can be anything really. I mean, there's many of them that are vertically integrated, some that aren't, so right. they might manufacture nothing. They might just, you know, do the branding and marketing. Yeah. So it really is a wide range, but the reality is the consumer wants a consistent product. Like when you open a box of Oreos, I always say, you know what it's going to taste like, you know what it looks like, it's always the same. And that's what the consumer is really looking for, for our in-, in our industry. So I came back to Canada. Um, Well, this company sold their US assets. And I did for like a year, I was doing deal work. So that's really, (laughs) it's so hard to explain, because I had no idea that people made money this way. But there's a whole swath of people who make money from taking people with money and connecting them with companies. And, and if that deal gets done, then you get paid or you get a piece of equity. So I was in the fortunate position in being in California. So early seeing these companies that were emerging and coming into the dispensary and if they had a great product and they seemed smart and you could actually have a conversation with them, Mm. I would, you know, talk to them and we would ultimately become friends. And so, um, we helped to raise money for a bunch of different groups and that sort of almost killed me because really. Something like eighty-five percent of the deals you work on, of course, don't come to fruition. Right. So I just would be like, "But I thought we were friends, and like we hung out all the time. Mm-hmm. And why are they, you know, screwing they us over apart. and not, you know, yeah. keeping true to their words? So when the opportunity arose for me to actually build a company, um, and that really came through Gila Liberté, who founded the Cirque du Soleil. He had hired my partner and myself to vet deals in the space because people were like, oh, if you need, you know, people who know everything, speak to Allison and Rob. And we looked at their deals and they wound up placing their money in what is now 48 North. But at the time it was called Delshan and it was literally a really well-built facility, seven hours North of Toronto with no licensing. Mm. And they chose to make that investment. That was not a recommendation And then I think they realized about a month in that there were some challenges. So they called me and said, would you come and help this group um, get this thing going? And I said, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be a consultant. I'm not interested in taking a full-time job, but I'm passionate. And once I came in and I was like, oh my God, these guys have this, like, almost this license, almost, which is so and all the bonus. valuable and all and this facility yeah. and ultimately within a couple months the board asked me to step in as interim CEO and really I mean that journey I won't keep talking but it's it was about 8 months of doing a lot of work to clean out the founders clean out the management and here I am this you know at that time I don't know 44 year old Woman who had never worked on Bay Street and was now taking over a company that was going to have to go public. So I had to take the company public. I've raised, I think, about $60 million for the company in the past 18 months. Which Isn't that incredible? It's like, I, I just. That kind never of money. I caught, yeah. Yeah. And I didn't understand how one would even do something like that until right. I entered this industry five years ago. Right, So that's very long winded story and haven't even given you all the details, but that's essentially how I got here with a lot of really great people that I hired along the way who fill in that skill set for me that have helped me to do that. I did not single handedly take the company public. I, I was able to hire the right people.
0: Yeah, as you do, right? You yeah. hire where you're weak. But fortuitous, it sounds like. Like it was blessed almost I think and so. meant to be.
1: I hope so. It seems that way.
0: And now it's bloomed into can- one of Canada's leading companies, leading brands. You just won brand, brand of the, of the year. year. Yeah, crazy. Congratulations. Thank you. A well-deserved. Thank you. Um, and most importantly, a, a leading space for women yeah. in this space, not only from what looks like an employed perspective, but also for consumers. Talk to me, obviously, women and this being a female flower is what is driving all of us and our passion here. Talk to me a little bit more about the importance you see between the connection of women and weed.
1: Well, I mean, I think it starts with having been a user myself and and a woman. And really, there was never these iconic female stoners or whatever like Cheech and Chong or Snoop Dogg not that I'm saying that You know, often people will say it has to be elevated from that place too, but it wasn't even that. Mm. So we were never really represented in the culture. I was never part of the 420 culture, yet I was, you know, a very regular user from a very young age. And I never went to these events or participated in a lot of that. I didn't know my place there and I didn't really understand it. There wasn't a lot of outreach to me. So I think once I came into a position of power, and really, in our industry, it's about you have to differentiate. I mean, it can't be a sea of sameness, although it definitely feels like there is a sea of sameness. We said, do we feel ready and bold enough to make the move and say we are female focused? And we decided like that was really necessary because 48% of cannabis users are women And I don't think women really feel that connection to the industry or the culture. Exactly. I think now we're seeing it. I'm not going to deny it. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing what you're doing and what everybody's doing. Um, not everybody, but there's a ton of women doing some incredible things like yourself, participating in the industry, raising profile, having these conversations and dialogues. So I do feel like women are really taking a, a leadership role on the education, culture, um, content side, I would still like to see women in senior, senior, senior positions like myself, because I think that's where big change can happen.
0: Yeah. Where the
1: money's moving. I would say
0: that there is that huge disconnect. It remains where women are the ones on the ground, grassroots using, sharing, growing, baking, all that thing. But the men are still where the money's moving. Yeah. And I don't know if it's fear or just a lack of transparency um the grass ceiling obviously is a real thing
1: yeah i think what i've learned is there's a language of finance and Mm -hmm. banking and the financial markets that i didn't know so here i was i had been doing a phd i was you know on the cover of marketing magazine a few times i've had awards and accolades like clearly i'm not someone who isn't hasn't had success in in an industry but i never had heard or even understood about this language. And it's really interesting because if I think about it, I, a lot of my close group of girlfriends are all very successful, but none of them have ever run a public company or been in finance. So this language was just completely unfamiliar to me and them. And I was really blessed to have a mentor, um, my boyfriend, Rob, who is a banker and it didn't take me so long to figure it out, but there's so much you have to understand about warrants and options and cap tables and market structure. And I just think that women don't exactly that. So you're never school. and you'll never be yeah. able to play play if you can't learn that. I mean, you can hire people around you, mm-hmm. but at some point you'll have. Yourself taken advantage of yeah. because you have to understand what you're giving away, what you're getting. You've all got of that. to move
0: the chess pieces and know the strategy. Yeah. Right. It's
1: it's and it's not, again, it's sad because it's not that difficult. It's sort of, I wonder if you can I've often thought, okay, could I teach a course to women for free? Exactly. But I don't know what if I you was can teach ask. it or if you have to live it. I don't know. For me, I have to live it. Well, you're living
0: it and you're obviously teaching it by the employing the people in your ranks that you're employed,
1: right? And everyone and bringing them through to through
0: osmosis, exactly. absorption, just being around it, right? They that's have inspiring. to be, you
1: have to be around it. You have to hear it, ask questions. So trying to bring everybody into how many, ever many of those meetings is possible, but that's also not always possible. And it's truly all men Yeah. In, the banking See world. a suit. Yeah.
0: I made an eggplant joke. I spoke at <laughs> Lyft on stage yeah. last year and made a joke about all the eggplants in the room. And it was really just because it was a sausage party, but... Right. I shouldn't have done it. Why? Well, I think I might have gotten in trouble from a suit.
1: Uh, but, like, <laughs> they know that it's the case. I mean, people say... Often the question is, you know, what are the challenges of being a woman at, as a CEO of a public company? I actually think it's helped me differentiate myself. I For mean, sure. there's so many people in cannabis, the bankers are seeing everybody, but because they see so few women, right? You stand they remember out. me. Women are obviously very good at developing relationships and they have a different level of empathy, I believe. Obviously, it's all on a spectrum and there are some men, men way more empathetic than some women, mm-hmm. but... I think that women bring a lot and they, and they can have those relationships and I've been able to develop those relationships. Sorry. Let's say hi to your... Sunny Boy. Sunny boy. I'm just doing a podcast. Where are you, boo?
0: We're recording right now. Come say hi.
1: See um, you? I, are you embarrassed of me, Sunny? Are you embarrassed of me?
0: Uh-huh. Is it because she smokes pot? <laughs> nah.
1: Good. <gasps> right. Good. Well, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's all teenagers. (laughs) Yeah. What do they think of it? Well, it's been a long time. So they were a lot younger when I started five years ago. So I think Mm. Axel was eight and Sunny was 10, I guess, or something like that. So, and it was medical. That was what we were doing here. So it was a lot of talk about medicine and prescriptions. Which is what it is. Right. And then it's obviously moved to recreational, but they're older. So, you know, for me, I just say... Obviously, their brains are still developing, right. and I want them to know they can talk to me about anything they're doing. But for me, I would rather see them use weed than alcohol any day of the week, obviously.
0: <laughs> I agree. I don't have kids, but I would totally agree right. with that sentiment. Yeah. For sure. Interesting.
1: Yes. And also, I
0: mean, if mom's doing it, it's not as cool, right? Well, maybe? I don't
1: tend to actually put it in their face. I, I don't know why. It's just some of these habits of prohibition mm-hmm. are hard to break because it was funny. We were having a party at the house a few weeks ago and there was alcohol all over the kitchen table, like, you know, setting up for the party, like setting up a bar. And and then maybe later that day or the next day, like quickly cleaning up all the weed off the table. And I, I thought like, okay, this is so crazy. I have no issue with this alcohol them being around it, and yet I still think I kind of have to hide hide that stuff away. So now trying to challenge myself to be less hidden about it, and I don't really even know how this shit gets into our brains.
0: I know, it's so deeply
1: ingrained, Yeah, you
0: know, and as a woman especially, but it must be even more so as a mom, right?
1: Well, I think it's as a mom, it's as a divorced mom, so that's the other piece of it is that you when you're divorced, obviously, there's just other issues that come into play. And so you obviously it can, can always worry about what could happen. For sure, <laughs> I'll just say that. But I think women historically, like when you ask about women in weed, it's funny, some people have said, that weed has been a way for many women to leave abusive relationships because growing or learning to grow or doing that at home is something that was accessible. They didn't have to leave their kids. They could do it at home. So I think women, or I know women have a long history with the plant, but I do think it's been more underground because of the fact that there was more at risk. Absolutely. And that's what I also say about my career path, which is I entered early in 2013 when I decided to do that, I was obviously in a position to take that kind of a risk, both, I guess, financially and emotionally, because it truly was a risk. I mean, you maybe had two Mm -hmm. licenses back then, and I don't believe that all women have that ability to take those risks because of their children, um, other factors in their career. And I think that's why you also don't see women at the level of CEO so many, because I've had to work my way up here, but many are just entering the industry now that they can feel that there's a safety there, which I completely respect and understand. Yeah. I was just going to say, we don't see it yet.
0: Yeah. And, but it is, it's conversations like this and it's you doing
1: your Alice and Gordon business school <laughs> online, which we're all going to join. I'm happy to do it. I wish I, I, I don't even know that I can explain all of it, but I would love for women to just understand this. It's not that complex, but it's the only way that you're going to be able to operate at least in this industry at those levels because the money is unfortunately what is critical to move these businesses forward because the actual reality of legalization in Canada is not necessarily (laughs) so clear in terms of revenue, right? So there's a lot of challenges and you need to have enough money to see through the runway of this, you know, uncertainty or when there aren't thousands of stores open jet like it's just it's not there yet so there it requires a ton of capital to be able to be in business
0: yeah i mean i w- i've always theorized that the numbers the stats we're seeing about consumption and women and using and frequency of using frankly mm-hmm. are just drastically under reported right i mean it's got to be true right and with legalization I assumed we would see so many people stepping into the light and, and proudly, loudly wearing it, but I have had people say that they think it's almost made the stigma stankier. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't or see Or maybe perhaps, but- I, I, I don't see it either. I, I, I was curious if you felt like it had polarized people or if you had, if you feel like maybe people are finally meeting in the middle.
1: I definitely think that cannabis is a, you know, quote, hot topic. So Mm. it's everywhere in the media, obviously, everywhere I go, it's constant conversation people want to have, they're fascinated. And these are not necessarily conversations you would have had before. So I do think people are coming out and asking questions and talking more about their own use. I think those people who have been long time weed smokers like myself there is a side that you're like well we were kind of counterculture and we were kind of anti-authority and you know, know you're saying like I can't smoke in that park but like I never could smoke in that park yet I always smoked in that park so there's that that side I think of I always say it's like almost the worst demographic to have to target, like weed smokers, because there's something a bit anti-authoritarian about us. Oh, for sure. So I, I don't know if that's what you mean. Like maybe some people are, you know, resistant. Oh, well, I know that many people are resistant to legalization, and they feel very alienated by legalization. And I understand that people who pushed us to this right. place and who have been advocating and growing and done the work, all of that, they. Yeah. It's very hard to find your place in this world.
0: Such a shame. What What do you think we can do about that beyond empowering powering them through money and understanding how money works a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's been a journey for me around this because I do have tons of respect for the culture and what's come before. So there's lots of deals that I've tried to do to um, either acquire a brand or license a brand or um, work with people that have traditionally been in the gray or black markets. And for me, it's, those deals have been difficult and because sometimes the reality of the Regulated world, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully mm-hmm. here, um, or even how finance works. You can't just say I'm worth, you know, a hundred million dollars because that's what, you know, I made X amount in the black market, or I have this many followers on YouTube, or I have this type of celebrity, because the reality is what is the revenue that you're going to be able to bring into the regulated market none of that money can come into our market that all has to go away that's right mm. and so now you're going okay well so really you're just you not just but you're a brand and a brand that now has to be developed into products that are allowed in this market and so what is the the value of that what will the street and the markets agree with i can't just make it up if i could it would be great but if you go and you buy something for a hundred million dollars that has fifty thousand dollars in revenue well your stock's going to plummet so that's has so been challenging and i find that people find it insulting when i say trying to hire people from the culture they they think that's insulting too. So I I don't really have the answers as to what to do. I guess what I hope is that as the government gets more comfortable with cannabis and legalization, that they can loosen the um, regulations to such a way that more mom and pop or smaller businesses can actually come into play. And that's where I think you could find people who come from the culture or who have a history in the market before coming in. That was yeah. a very... <laughs> no, I love it. It
0: was mouthful
1: of trying to it was watch my words question. carefully. It's, it is really hard. It was really a question hard. I it's, didn't intend to ask It's either. really hard because there's so much value out there. There's value in brand. There's value in a celebrity that whole side of things and then there's just institutional knowledge like if you've been growing for 30 years or extracting or creating products but the problem is it's so different how we have to do that how we grow what we're allowed to grow with what we're allowed to make it never is just okay so come here and do it as you did it there so there's a huge learning curve for everyone
0: yeah, it seems like you go in thinking it's one thing, and you realize you're just playing by the rules. You have to play
1: <laughs> by the rules. It's which, as you not, say, or or not, but it's in my world, we're playing by the yeah, rules. You yeah. have to play by the rules. Yeah, I and do. And
0: it is counterculture to where we've come from, right? Yeah. it's exactly. It's deep seated,
1: and that's why I, I know at Forty North, we have an incredible team many of whom are longtime weed smokers, users. Um, and that, to me, was really important. I know there's a lot of other CEOs that say, I've never used cannabis forever. Mm-hmm. And to me, I feel like, that's fine. But why would you even say that? I feel like it's like the CEO of Apple saying, I've never used a smartphone or a computer. It would seem crazy to me. But at the same time, then they have a good argument saying, well, not every pharmaceutical CEO is trying all their drugs. So I don't know where it lands. But for me, it all started with the fact that I love weed. It's like a huge part of my world. My friends, worlds, and I wanted to make an awesome company that's making awesome products. I know that oversimplifies the whole thing, but the team has to reflect that. Absolutely. Now you have made not just awesome
0: products, some really elevated, elegant, and unexpected products. Can you talk to me a little bit about what 48's done with Fade?
1: Okay. So yes, on the accessory side, That's actually interesting. So for anyone listening that knows what's happening in Canada, we're highly restricted on our ability to market it and advertise our cannabis products. So it's always been my idea since 2013 that wherever I landed, we would create a lifestyle brand or brands. And use that vehicle with which to connect with community and through events and do all the things you're not allowed to do with your actual cannabis product brands, so fate um was beautiful, beautiful, the first two products I'm playing it with my hands, and we don't even have it here a beautiful Brass grinder. And what that's really about, and again, I can take no credit for it. Uh, there's Amy and Kirsten Gautier, our chief marketing officer, was bringing cannabis out of the closet. Part of it is having things in your home that it can sit on your coffee table. It's a conversation piece in the same way people have beautiful bars exactly. and like old bar carts. Bar cart. And so that's where we started with that. It's and a future heirloom, that grinder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what Kirsten always says. She's like, it's an heirloom. It, I'm it like, truly it's is, <laughs> it is, too it's very heavy <laughs> everyone goes to lift it and goes whoa it's beautiful but yeah and and but from a business standpoint it does allow us to be in magazines we wouldn't be in have conversations we wouldn't have package it as we would love to package our our cannabis yeah. but can't right so you can start to build the brand that way and that's the same with latitude which you know technically is a platform where we share stories about how women use cannabis but Latitude can throw events, Latitude can do all these things, and then ultimately we can decide, do we want Latitude to now be you know, a vape brand, right. or do you keep it as a lifestyle platform that we can push out to our community about our products? And to me, that was the only way I could come up with <laughs> to work around these regulations. Um, it, it's
0: genius, first of all. And second of all, latitude was just what I was going to bring up next because, to me, that is the beautiful thing—the storytelling, the one-to-one, the hearing, the the way cannabis changed our lives or allowed us to bloom back into the women that we are—is. Not only how destigmatization happens, but how like the curiosity, like people start to follow their nose, people start to normalize and that ripple effect is going to be felt, I believe... Throughout our families and then our networks right. and our communities and our businesses. Yeah. And ultimately, hopefully the rest of the world. <laughs> I honestly think cannabis might heal the world.
1: Oh, I, I don't disagree. And I, it's the women. I, <laughs> I agree. And again, like I have to shout out to Amy Weinstein. Yeah, and Kirsten girl. And everybody who, Latitude has been their baby. And I agree with you. I think storytelling, it's almost like the original influencer world, storytelling has been around forever. And it's obviously how we share. It's how we connect. It's how we know what to do. I mean, when you go into the grocery store and there's 50 different shampoos, I guess that's really more the, the drugstore. But, you know, how do you know which one to buy? I mean, there's advertising and those things, but a lot of it is something you've seen or your friends told you about, or now in our world of social media, there's someone that you love and admire, and they showed themselves using that shampoo. And it's, and, and that's, it's oversimplification, but I do believe it's, it's giving people permission to say, okay, if she does this and Mm -hmm. she's living a happy, well life and is not in the basement, like eating Doritos and not able to hold down a job, I think this is something I might be able to try and it's been incredible I mean um, Amy and the team have put on these amazing events where women about six to eight women get up and share stories poetry so creative I'm just floored and the first one was just I think more broadly around cannabis and the last one was on cannabis and pleasure and people women sharing their stories of you know, really sad stories of sexual abuse and other things that they've healed themselves and brought themselves back into their body through the use of cannabis. And I was just going like, oh my God, Amy, this is incredible.
0: Oh my gosh. And that's what it is. It's this magic or spirit or thing within a brand that makes you fall in love with it the way you fall in love with the person you're sitting across from, right? That you've interwoven and sort of brought to life so beautifully and that it seems to be so resonating with all of us because as you say, there's nothing for us. It's exactly why I built High I kept connecting and meeting women like us in line at 1066, right? you know, and everyone was desiring and. Uh, you know being drawn towards an elegant unexpected cannabis experience
1: I agree and
0: yet there was so little for us so it's it's
1: amazing like I don't understand so this industry has to be the biggest thing going on right now in the U.S. and here in Europe and yet everything is if I had a dime for every person who said, well, it's going to be like the Apple store or mm. it's going to be like everything's either cigar bar or Apple store. And there's this version of stylish and everyone wants to be luxury. And I keep saying to the team, like there is a way to be elevated and stylish, but it doesn't all have to be luxury. It's just blows my mind that people think that's the way to go. And I, I think women, there's that whole health and wellness side that we're very much about And again, it's almost simplifying it as opposed to making it so uber stylish. It's bringing it back to what are some very simple ingredients. So having our products be, you know, single strain, all natural, obviously organic is a big thing for us. And we're just living and... The things and creating the things we want that you would want ourselves. That's the Absolutely. only way I know how to do anything ever. Even with rethink, it I, I don't have any traditional background in marketing. I don't understand marketing plans or market research. I just go oh that would, I'd like that. And I wouldn't like that. And it must make the team. No, the call of the gut. That's the vision. I mean, that's the magic. Well, I don't know any other way to do it because I do believe market research can be so skewed. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. as well as I do that you can make it say anything, how you phrase a question is going to determine the answer that you're going to get. So, and so many people have not, especially women come out and want to, like, if someone called you up three years ago and said, I need to ask you a few questions about your cannabis use, you'd be like, I don't use cannabis. Exactly. Right. Well, I so wouldn't. Well, I'm pretty loud and proud. I know. Yeah. I guess me too, even. Yeah. But I still wouldn't be like, who's on the other end of this phone? Yeah. So exactly. you just don't have that data to even understand, not that I would know what to do with the data.
0: No, it's true. But pro- I truly theorize that probably the flower, the power of the flower, played a role in your boldness and your confidence and just trusting. I always say I follow my nose, right? You know what I mean? It's just trusting that that's the way I've got to go.
1: Maybe you know? I never thought of it that way. Cause I've always just been a crazy person, but I, <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think that I felt what could go wrong if there's weed involved. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how could that, what if you're growing weed, Could you possibly fail? I mean, I guess people will, but, but I, I thought like, I mean, it's weed, yeah. isn't that? Yeah, exactly. Who doesn't want the weed? But I, I now realize <laughs> it's a bit more complex than that.
0: Interesting.
1: Okay, what else is what's surprised you? Well, that's a good question. What has surprised me? Can I think about that for yeah, a second? Yeah, for okay, sure. Hold on. Well, I'm definitely surprised that I am the CEO of a public company, no doubt, like never in my wildest dreams, like I really can't even do multiplication. Don't even, I'm like, don't tell anyone as I tell you on the podcast, but like math, all of these things. So that's surprised me about myself. Definitely the ability to step up and have that level of confidence and feel like I can do it has surprised me. From the industry standpoint, I I don't, so many things surprise me all the time. And then at the same time, they don't surprise me. Like we're dealing with such heavy aftermath of prohibition that all these things, like seeing how it has been rolling out through legalization and our lack of ability to play and brand and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff, unfortunately, isn't surprising, but I'm waiting to be surprised (laughs) by them saying, you know what, go ahead and package as you want. I don't know. Hopefully. One day maybe
0: easier to loosen than tighten they say
1: they do say it's just when I go into the legal dispensaries and see the this packaging sameness and the over packaging like meaning that they're you know from an environmental perspective it's insane it's a mess yeah and and we don't have a choice but to participate in that way but we are actually um going to be our packaging is biodegradable we're going to use a hemp-based ink like we're trying everything obviously organic because we're just thinking it's insane to sell your weed in an oversized package that then has no ability to be recycled That picture, that
0: meme of like legal versus (laughs) illegal three months of cannabis use packaging was crazy. They're like two Ziplocs. Yeah. You know, it is Um, crazy
1: actually. How
0: are, how many of the LPs are thinking about sustainability?
1: Well, I don't know. Obviously, we don't always tell each other everything we're thinking about. I do sit on the industry association board and. I don't know that we've had so many conversations about sustainability. We did definitely around packaging. I think everyone around that table and that was Canopy and Tilray and Aurora and Med Relief and Kronos and Supreme and Afria. There's a bunch of big players and myself around the table. Everyone was trying to communicate to Health Canada that it is insane this size that you must, you know, make your package to be able to put all the, um, Warnings on, but that said, the association was successful in getting the peel back label because originally they had said no to the peel back label, so the packaging would have been even worse if you weren't able to oh, have a peel back right. to have all your warnings on it. Interesting. So that was actually a good thing. I, I do think people care for sure. I mean, even if it's from I mean, from a place that we know that the consumer cares, or even I think if stoners
0: it's, extra care too. Or I, I, tree
1: huggers. <laughs> Some. I put put my feet in the grass. <laughs> I mean, look, they come in all shapes and sizes now that I've been in LA at these like beautiful homes in the Hollywood Hills and like found some of the biggest owners there who are in like dripping in diamonds and Hermes. And I'm like, wow, it really does come in all shapes and sizes, but somehow we always find each other. That's what I'm saying. We sniff each other
0: out. And I think there's a spirit within that is respectful of the fact that mother earth holds a plant that helps us connect to ourselves, heal ourselves, yeah. reveal ourselves, all the things. And
1: it's amazing how many people are coming to the plant now, granted many through vape pens, but <laughs> they are still. And I just think like, wow, who would have thought that this, yeah. like it's, that's I think the most surprising thing yeah. is the most obvious thing, which is le- like, it's legal. <laughs> it's like, I, I still know we see it. If we're outside smoking a joint. I'll be like, it's legal. Like just myself, I'm like it's legal. It's like, and I'm like, oh god, people who don't use must be like, okay, it's fine, it's legal, but do I have to walk through this smell when I go through the park all the time? Yes,
0: if I have to walk through your cotton candy e-cigarette, that's That's true. That's a new phenomenon too.
1: (laughs) I know that's gross. That is the worst.
0: Okay, so the Create Her series is like a mini-series within High T, which is with female founders and visionaries and entrepreneurs who are really inspiring, whose stories, I believe, will inspire the women and the troops of people who are listening out there that might just have the idea, might just be coming back to connection, might have just discovered CBD and realized something about herself. So hit the mic. So what if I can ask, and it's another grand question, but if you could give, leave some sort of really big piece of advice or insight or truth with, I mean, the dudes listen in. There's a lot of dudes voyeuristically listening in, but with the women that are listening right now that are somehow, as you say, called back to this plan. right? Uh, Because in former lives or past lives or some other life, we... All were, right? Right.
1: What kind of piece, what advice would you give them? So you're saying for people who want to get into the business or just are used, like want to try it or it's, what is, which one or both? <laughs> I think it's a broad spectrum. And right.
0: why I say that is because I'll, I'll get a lot of messages from someone who's a trainer or a yoga instructor right. or a teacher or a therapist or whatever the case may be. And they've, she usually Has realized how much cannabis can intersect and health uh, and help the health of her life, her career, Mm -hmm. uh, the work she's already doing, and that it's about because it's about to change every aspect of society, right? So, what advice would you give people beyond trusting your truth, which is obviously really your mantra from
1: a learning and working with the plant for yourself, what I would say is you definitely need to educate yourself. I mean, not for example, we often say not all CBD is created equal Mm -hmm. in Canada. It's a big different than in the U S because if you are buying in the legal market, we are so heavily tested and regulated that whatever it says on the label is what it is for sure. But I would definitely encourage people, and this is going to sound obvious, but to buy from the legal market for a variety of reasons, because It is true that if you go and buy a CBD product from the convenience store or all these places that carry it, I mean, you just don't know what's in it. And, and the reality is whether it's CBD or not, you want to know, is it a whole plant product? Is it, how was it made? What was it made from? What are the percentages? I mean, Mm -hmm. you just want to understand what, what was the extraction process. And then you can start to build a picture for yourself as what works for you and what doesn't. And there's some great um, apps like strain print that allow you to sort of track what you've used and how you felt. And I do think it is a plant-based medicine. So it does take a tiny bit. It's not a huge amount of effort, but sort of notice Mm -hmm. the things that you liked and notice the things that you didn't like. But again, when you are buying off, you know, a convenience store or whatever it might be, I mean, I often say you don't go buy a cookie off someone on the street that's just sitting on a plate. Like you just don't know what's in it. And I, and I think that's even the case in the U S with the farm bill passing and a a ton of CBD products. Like they just are not all created equal and there's an education piece too. So for example, CBN is amazing for sleep. So I buy from Gossamer, this beautiful, um, when I'm in the States, Um, this, that their dusk product and Verena and David did a ton of research into who was going to manufacture their product. And this product is made, um, down in Kentucky and it's full spectrum and it has CBN and that's truly what's going to help you sleep over and and the CBD as well. So I just think people don't just kind of read a New York times article and say, that's it. If you, if you want to do that, but if you are slightly interested, no different than if you're going to start any kind of vitamin regime, just dig a little bit deeper, it's all out there. Yeah, my mom read the New York Times article, bought the
0: number one CBD brand, and like her anxiety was worse than ever. She's like, this is bunk. See, see, and it's like... You really have to
1: know. You have to know. I don't know. We've been in this game long enough to know that... there's lots of different reasons you can get media attention. It doesn't mean you're the best product. You Mm -hmm. might be the best promoter. Exactly. (laughs) So it's true. And there are some really good manufacturers in the US. And then here, obviously, the licensed producers, as I said, whatever it says is in it, it's in it. So you just have to start figuring that out. We haven't been able to call out other cannabinoids in Canada. So that does make it challenging on that front because everything's focused on this CBD and THC. And there are so many other cannabinoids that play a role in um, how you feel and and what's going to happen. So and symbiotically, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the terpene profile, which, which is generally part of what we submit to, uh, for testing as well. So you can find out terpene profiles, but (laughs) (laughs) it's still early days is what I'll say on that. But yeah, yeah, I definitely think people have to educate themselves and figure out what works for them. So I was going to ask you what
0: the plan is, but you almost can't tell me. What,
1: the plan? Because you don't know what the future looks like. I know, it's impossible. But well, the plan really is to grow outdoor. Yeah. I mean, I haven't yes. even spoken to the outdoor grow, it's which is a huge news. part of what we're going to be doing. So we're the waiting. The glam hippie and me is yes. so happy. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> so we're just waiting for licensing, final licensing from Health Canada. And we will have a 100-acre farm, which is 3.5 million square feet of Holy weed shit. growing. And it's wow. going to be amazing. We're going to have a visitor center And it's just going to take it to the next level and it's organic and it will be a low cost and it's just the way it's meant to be. Yes. It really is. And in California, you can see that brands like old pal and even cookies are doing these big bags of outdoor grow. They're selling really, really well. I think people want outdoor grow and definitely the price is right too. (laughs) I love
0: that. Yeah. Amazing. So
1: that's for sure. Like, well, for sure, as soon as we're licensed, um, but that's something that's a big, big, thing for us to be doing this summer. And then in October we should be, as the government said, allowed to start selling our products. So like our mother and clone sublingual, our Avitas vape pen. It's like all happening, I guess. I'm so excited for those brands just to be in our everyday life and lifestyle, right? It's I can't even imagine what it's gonna be on these shelves. Like it's just so exciting. I can't I just we've been waiting so many years for this.
0: I think the ripple effect in the world is gonna be magic. Oh my it's god! I just noticed your
1: pa- pot sign. <laughs> yeah, that was from Honest Ed's when it went out of business. They Epic. sold off, and somebody <laughs> brought me the pot sign. So, I love it. Yeah, no, it's it. The world is happening. I mean, the UK. It's everywhere. It's like there's so many conferences now happening in Europe. Yeah, it's all gonna go. It's just gonna flop, 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 flop. Yeah. domino effect over, and then. I guess everyone will chill out.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The world will be a happier place indeed. For sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I often tell the story that when I was at the Cannabis Cup in Denver in 2014, um, they had a, an issue with the fire marshal, like right as as the doors were about to open. So, you know, there's 10,000 people there and they couldn't open the doors. And everyone was just chilled for literally two hours. <laughs> if you Amazing. even kicked 20 people out of a bar, I wouldn't even want to see what happened. Yet people are living in fear yeah it just doesn't make any sense. I I think prohibition is like this should be on the cover of every marketing book as the best marketing <laughs> that ever occurred in the world. Yeah, propaganda. The propaganda of that the reefer madness right. like it like it truly penetrates at a level that it's it should win awards. Yeah, it's ongoing. Yeah, it doesn't end.
0: Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I've never thought about that before. Oh, my
1: God. I mean, what's been more successful than convincing people of these mistruths around the plant? I, right. don't, I don't. I'm sure there are things, but that's a pretty heavy-duty one that just, as I said, like, I'm still hiding it. Here's someone who's an advocate, who's out and about, who's right. loud and proud, who's running a cannabis company. The and The face. One of the faces. It, like, well, you know, kids shouldn't see it. Interesting. And I have to fight myself and be like, no, it's yeah. fine. So... Undo the brainwash. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and the he, judgment. That's, I think, what we all fear is judgment too, and the misperception about who uses and right. or, can they be successful? Can they run a company? And obviously, now we run into border problems.
0: Well, border problems aside, I think you're proving the rest to us, oh, indeed. Thanks. Okay. So, one of my last questions <laughs> favorite strain?
1: Oh, my God. Okay, so my favorite cultivar, as I call it, a bubble man taught me well, Ooh, is... Ooh, um, tell me,
0: teach me. I should not well, say strain,
1: I should say cultivar. Yes, because it's not a strain. A okay. strain is like, I guess, a bacterial... Thing, or i don't know the definition I but it's see. truly a cultivar but Cultivar. i, I mean I, I i she likes that more <laughs> cultivar Cultivar. that's the Your favorite cultivar is called where's my bike and it's not Great necessarily name. i don't know if anyone's listening my guys who like it's their genetic um where you can get it right now, <laughs> but it just makes me laugh and it's happy and it's, it's, it's a great one. So that's my favorite. Where's my bike?
0: Ooh, I haven't had the pleasure.
1: Well, where's my bike? Where's, where's my bike? My bike? <laughs> where's, where's my bike? Where is, where's my bike? <laughs> no, it's, it's great. The names are so fun. That's the whole thing. The names are really fun.
0: I bet. Are you, you guys must be having fun with I try to stick
1: to the, str- the street you? names as much as possible. Sometimes the provincial regulators won't take the street okay. names. Like they won't take the green crack. So we yeah. call it the green crush. And, I but I just think people have enough to learn right now to right. start. Re- and I know other companies are doing this, like trying to create their own proprietary names. But I'm like, really? Can, like The consumer just has so much yeah. to figure out at this point. Why not allow them to say, well, I've always liked the Girl Scout cookie. Here's the Girl Scout cookie. Although you probably couldn't sell that name either. Yeah, like, That's probably stores. TM'd
0: by now. <laughs> I don't know
1: if you can TM it, but... Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, how...
0: it's not a Essie nail polish. It's a cultivar. It's a cultivar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like the way you say it. You're like, cultivar. I'm like, now it sounds like, am I, is that what I'm like saying? Like it's cultivar. a Russian czar.
0: <gasps> cultivar. No,
1: cultivar. <laughs> is like, but all plants have cultivars as I look around. That's the, what we call strain is really a cultivar beautiful. Google it
0: everyone. Yeah. Google that. Okay. So speaking of tell people where they can find you, learn more about you and
1: see what you're up to. Okay. Well me personally on Instagram is cannabis culturist. Good luck trying to spell that. 48 North is on Instagram as 48 N R T H. We are nrth.com for the website. I don't know. Latitude, we're all there. But if you go to the website, I'm sure you can find all of it, or Google Alison Gordon or 48 North, or I don't know, you'll find us. We're we're living and breathing everywhere.
0: Beautiful, beautiful.
1: Thank you, Thank honestly, you. for your time,
0: for your work, for your energy. Keep doing what you are doing. You are blazing a trail, pun intended, <laughs> even though we didn't. For all of us who are in the industry, who are consumers of the industry, and who are curious <laughs> about it. Thank you. Merci. Thank you. Thank you. Alison Gordon. Thanks for listening. Check us out on Insta at HighT.life. Like us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all the other things. Join our invite list and holla at your girl by visiting hightea.life.